If you don't read the newspaper, you're uninformed. If you do read it, you're misinformed. What is the long-term effect of too much information? Information, information, I just need some information. I've been dying, I've been dying. Is it lack of education? I've been reading, I've been reading without any transformation. I'm addicted, I'm addicted. Is it overstimulation? Hey. Welcome to the Success Report. The Success Hear ye, hear ye, come one, come all. You are listening to The Sixth Sense Report with Darnell Samuels and Joel Nikoloff. Joel, guess what we got lined up today? Um, more government actors acting a fool? It's the same thing we do every day. Try to take over the world. <laughs> Pinky and the brain, 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 brain. <laughs> same day go, man. It's like this. But this is different. This is a little different. We're, we're looking at... We're comparing and contrasting two schools, one in the U.S., one in Canada, one private, one public. But the thing that ties these together is racial profiling. So this should get pretty deep. Uh-oh. No, no, we're, we're prepared. Uh, so we'll, we'll start off the first one. We're going to look at a school in Ontario. And we're going to roll the clip and get more context for what we're about to talk about. Peggy Aitchison is at the center of the controversy over allegedly identifying black students and compiling lists with their names on it without their consent to give to their teachers, assuming that there were gaps in opportunity and achievement for these specific students. This has real emotional effects on people of color. Noah Brown is just 18 years old, but he's questioning the behavior of someone much older, his principal at the Etobicoke School of the Arts. She categorized black student based on race. It was in November that Peggy Aitchison compiled lists of black students allegedly by going through the school's yearbook. She explains in a letter to students, staff and parents that with an objective of supporting success for all students, particularly those for whom we know as a group there are gaps, I shared a list of black students with our teaching staff. I recognize that this was a limited, flawed and ultimately inappropriate approach to identifying gaps and supports. And so that very same day, I retracted that compilation that was based solely on perceptions. We reached out to Aitchison, who is at the school today, but she never got back to us. Now, in her letter, she said she apologized to students, but for many, it's not enough. Mm. So what do you think, Joel? Someone's in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, so basically, yeah, the teacher was trying to bridge a gap but, but between the blacks and the black kids, white kids. But uh, I think my question is, what gaps? Well, I or mean... are there gaps? Like that, is... that, like, that wasn't answered. So to me, I'm just like, well... Yeah, what was the catalyst? Right? Like, it, she told... We were told the objective was intentioned for good uh-huh. but what caused what's the underlying reason she felt the need to to do something and this is where i my, i'm going to be slightly speculative but if you're criticizing like i'm i would guess this school has received or maybe even just the school board this has received criticism 
for disparities in outcome of grades by race. So if you're told the Hispanic kids in your school or the Asian kids in your school are doing worse and and you're receiving public criticism for that, if you're going to do anything on a student-by-student basis to try to address that, step one is to identify those kids. So, again, I'm not by any means trying to say this is why what she did was right. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is why would she have done this? Well, if you're receiving criticism that a particular race is has is having unequal outcome with the expectation that they should have equal outcome, well, now her goal is address the kids who need to have a better outcome well step one is identifying those kids and well the disparity was pointed out by race obviously you're you have to use race in order to resolve that disparity now do i think there are other approaches like trying to understand why maybe the curriculum or the methods for teaching don't translate to all cultures the same yes but that if you approach it that way, that doesn't inherently mean the disparity is going to be resolved. Whereas if you just target those who are on the bottom end of the disparity, you, you're thinking this is the quickest way to resolve my criticisms. Yeah. And uh, I'm creating that just purely based on the fact that it's communicated. This was for helping underachieving students. So right, but the problem is, and you know, you got to dissect this to get to the heart of the issue. The problem is the issue of the gap and the the disparity. What was the gap? The black kids are not doing well academically. Is it because if it's if it's reflective of the kids in your school, then you have a problem between the teachers. And the students within your school, potentially, but, yeah, potentially, right? Because so, so you're like, so you're like, okay, wait, hmm. The stats are showing the black kids, all the black kids in my in my school are doing terrible. Okay, so we're, so there really is an issue there. Now, um, <laughs> if she was operating from the standpoint of, well, black kids are dumb in general, so we got to help them. That's racist. And down, downright yes. disrespectful well, and dumb. You, you see what I'm saying? So, like, at that point, like, if you know, you know, you know, a total, a total going too far from here. So maybe I might pay her a visit and really ask, you know, and really just sit down and be like, okay, like, you know, what were you really thinking? Just, hey, you know, gotta help the black people because they can't think. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, I, I would say that's a assumption of racism. Yes. Right. Or, or racial profiling beyond the action. Obviously, the action was racial profiling. Right, but but, but then actually like saying this race is inferior in this capacity. Yes. Right. We have nothing to to suggest that's what she was doing. Is it possible? Sure. Right. Um, another another thing that stood out in the clip was the father, and the father was was insinuating that, yeah, you know, this is a 
a performing arts school. So you have to get in through audition. So usually the kids there um, are relatively doing well academically. And he was mm-hmm. saying that like, you know, you know, judge the kids based on their grades, not what they look like. Mm-hmm. Right. So there you have a, you have, so anybody that's, that checks out the news article in our, in our show notes um, and you want to exegete the article, ask yourself this. The father and the principal are disagreeing. What are they disagreeing on? And do you agree with, do you agree with the father or do you agree with the principal? Do you agree with the father that, that we should be judged as individuals based on our marks, our grades, or that, you know, and that there is no gap or the principal saying, okay, wait, there is a gap. Black people in general need help. That's, that's what's there. Well, I think that comes back to my point. I presume that the inequality or the disparity in outcome is the catalyst. And if you're making criticisms on the aggregate, meaning you're not talking about the fact that, hey, the all kids that are below average or below you know a certain grade point the 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 school as a whole should have something in place to to help them you know tutoring or whatnot that's a different conversation than being like well there's unequal outcome if you're pointing to unequal outcome on the aggregate as you know where you're going to criticize versus asking questions why is this the case versus telling them you're not doing it right versus saying, can you help us understand why this is the case? Mm. Because if you're asking, why is this the case? The pro it, it, it means I got to dig, I got to go into the issues and try to understand what's the context, what's different, maybe student by student that results in the different outcome mm. versus let's resolve the disparity. Yeah. Because resolving the disparity can be done through just boosting everyone's grades. And that's not really what you want. But for the person receiving the criticism, it just makes the criticism go away. Okay. So we'll go, now we're going to look at the situation in New York. This is a private school. And basically what happened was uh, they decided well, about 2016, 2017, the school decided to implement segregation. This is a middle school, kindergarten to grade eight, and they would implement segregating uh, the students. So they have a handbook, and the handbook stated that research points to the academic, social, and emotional benefits to being in a classroom with others who share racial, ethnic, linguistic, or cultural backgrounds. And New York City-based educational consultant with a focus on minority students said, Little Red School, that's the name of the, uh, Little Red School House, that's the name of the school. Uh, The proposal is the lesser of two evils, explaining that often when there is a a single black or Latin student in a class, especially history and literature, classes were discussed classes where discussions can turn political or personal, they can feel isolated and uncomfortable. The intention is to make students of color feel that they are a critical mass and have a voice. 
The consultant said, adding that a handful of other schools, including Bank Street and Upper West Side, which has students break into self-identified affinity groups four times a year for 45-minute classes, um, have experimented with uh, similar policies. It's concerning. Like, I can understand why I would presume almost everybody is concerned because it takes us back to early 1900s when the motivation for similar segregation was immoral. Right, so it's insensitive to the historical context. Yeah. The, and I think there's, my, my first thought, like, is that could they have applied some of the context without, or, or applied some of the ideas in a more, neutral manner i don't know if that's the right term but because uh if i understood correctly there's there's two classes and it turns out usually there's like they called it the minority class mm. and then the white class so there was two classrooms one's full of white people and one's full of all the minorities and probably some white people as well because it would it could they have implemented this in a because it said that they've been using race in determining classes for a long time this isn't new but yes. it was just it wasn't as explicit um maybe it wasn't the full right. minority class and white class mm -hmm. so if like because i'd read the one line or that that part that you were reading about like i can understand this point that often when there is a single latin black, or black or latin student so mm -hmm. if someone in is the only person from their ethnicity not like they can feel isolated and uh, uncomfortable. Okay. So circumventing that by making sure that there's more than one of them in every class. Like it, you know, I can understand like the goal and maybe it achieves its end, but is there a way to, to do that where, you know, we put all the Asian kids in the one class, then all the Hispanic kids in the other class, and then all like the black kids in this class and then the you know pick another race and then just scatter the white kids now is that better well i mean i, I think well, you're gonna end up with the same problem people are going to criticize that you're making decisions based on race right because you know it really begs the question does separating black students from white students help black students is it, uh even but, here, that, but that's not their motivation what the goal is not about separating see and that's the thing when i read the article the goal is not about separating the goal is about aggregation now what do you mean it does so this point like they did they did end up creating the minority and the mm -hmm. white class so mm -hmm. yes in that regard but it wasn't it as far as i understood the minority class still had white people in it it was that you had a class of all white people and it was from based on reading the motivation, it was about making sure that the minorities didn't feel isolated. Mm -hmm. The goal wasn't to 
isolate the minority from the white people. It was to make it so that when the minority is in the class, they feel like they're not being over like overpowered by the alternatives. Mm-hmm. Okay, I see what you're saying. So again, not justifying it, not saying it was the right decision, but the motivation seems very much like the other scenario. At least it was communicated that it's for their benefit. Whose benefit? The minorities. Okay. Not like, not the white kids. Right. There's nothing in here about the white kids. They they basically were like because you're the majority, you don't have to deal with these problems, so we're just going to not worry about you. We backfill you in after the fact. Right, but this is... But yeah, but my point was just um, that, you know, you're trying to, you know, create a critical mask to not... Mask to not feel... Not to help black people not feel isolated. Yeah. Uh, or so all the had, minorities. Pardon? All the minorities. All the minorities. Oh, yeah, yes, yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah lat- the Latinos and so forth. Uh, so... But we we have we have an Afrocentric alternative school in the GTA uh, that started in 2009. It's from kindergarten to grade eight. So I don't know if uh, the listeners remember when when that started and 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 the uproar that caused. So 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 we have something like that now. But the other side, yes, like like yeah. So because the argument was just like you know black people and and people have been arguing this. Is for it a long private time. school? Uh, well, it operates out of I think uh, like Shepherd Middle School. Um, I, I, uh, uh, that's a good question. Um, but it's it's interesting because people, we were really arguing and looking at okay, well, you know, do black students do better when they're not around white students, or or not just around white students, but if they're learning um, about themselves, their history. Uh, seeing uh, a teacher that they can relate to, I know that's I know that's very uh, big in regards to you know what people say is helpful. Yeah, I mean, I can understand there being an aspect of a Canadian school or an American school. Just look at the history class. It's always country specific, right? Whether in the US, you have a whole bunch of American history classes. In Canada, you have a whole bunch of Canadian history classes. Mm-hmm. And there's a population within your customers, as I like to call them, your students, that don't relate to that history and would, would benefit from learning a history or or let's say opting out one of, to one of those classes into a class that teaches them their own history so from that sense i would say but I, isn't, I, so I, isn't that what they're trying to do um at the little red house school like like they're trying to take some aspects of the the afrocentric education i didn't perceive it that way because oh, no, like no, no. i mean at least nothing in the article suggests that. It, to me, it just talks about when things turn political mm-hmm. or slightly personal, mm-hmm. right? So if you're talking about U.S. versus Mexico in some sort of conflict, would 
the, the as far as I understood it, the Mexican student, if he was by himself mm-hmm. versus having other Mexicans around him, yeah, would would be able to more like more comfortably yeah. speak up and have an opinion and engage. Mm-hmm. Um, so versus oh, we're gonna teach two different materials to these groups of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny, but the whole isolation thing is a real thing. I have friends, you know, who who you know who said, yeah, they've you know they have difficulties being around a lot of white people. And I, you know, even I remember, you know, as a kid, <laughs> every time we go through Black History Month, we started talking about, and I was the only, sometimes I was the only black kid in the class, and they go through Black History Month, and then all the white kids start looking at me like, "We're sorry," <laughs> like, <laughs> like, "Hey, yo, man," like you know. But it's funny, like, like I was on the boat. <laughs> like, how was it? <laughs> yeah, like, oh, I don't know, man. So we still play handball at recess or what? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So I I I totally get I totally get the the segregation thing, and it's so funny because you know there's two sides to this coin. Where people are saying, okay, we don't want segregation because this is this is no no we're we're, go- we're taking a step backwards. But then there are people saying, actually, yeah, shoot, I don't want to be around white people. I, I want to be around my people. But even to say you have a you know there's arguments that also go like you know with Asians. You know Asians don't have Asian teachers, and they do well. You know what I mean? Like there's other there's other races who do well and they don't have teachers that look like them or learn their learn their material and they still do well. So that's another argument that I hear get gets gets thrown around. But between these two, uh let's talk about the similarities and the differences between them. So I would say that both we see uh leftist ideology motivated mm-hmm. um in regards to um the racial profiling of of black people. Why do you call it leftist? Because I I would say that it's a res- it, the leftist ideology is a catalyst. Yeah, that's what I mean. Okay, okay. Because yeah. yeah. generally speaking, the people being at, talking aren't. I didn't get the attention okay. there was left. Um, I would say that one was a literal segregation and one's more of a figurative segregation okay uh obviously we already talked about private versus public school right um but i think a really interesting question or a really interesting topic that we can use these scenarios to analyze is the idea of institutional racism dun 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 Uh, or systemic racism which we would pretty much the same thing uh okay well i I think they get used Synonymous, yes, but just for for me, for the sake of clarity and and, and breaking down these terms and, and getting detailed. Well, okay, let's let's bring up a. De- you said you had a definition. Um. Yeah. There, well, it's there's a couple different definitions. I mean, I was trying to look up what makes the most sense, and for me, I found um, two articles mm-hmm. that, that there's a really interesting contrast that I think lends to our conversation. Okay. So the C- there was a CBC article that said. Systemic racism, a concept that refers to the exclusion of individuals from political, economic, and social opportunity because of their race or ethnic background. And then um, Mises.org, which is a more economic-oriented article, had, it said, what makes racism institutionalized then 
is a successful crafting of a law for the purpose of producing racially disparate consequences. I, yeah, I like that. I agree with that. Yeah, I think it's a little more precise. Um, it does lead a little bit more to the, like legally, um, and we can we can talk why I think both of us agree with that. But they also had a point that I think is is where we can just hash out the nuance for a second. They said a police officer need not be racist to perpetuate the intended outcome of a racist law. Right. So the enforcement, the there could be no racial motivation. They just enforce the law. But because the law has racial purposes, that it's institutional racism. Right. So I think again it comes what I like is around the motivation is for producing racially disparate consequences. So the and the reason why I didn't like the 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 first, the CBC one was it just seemed to be hinting um at like the, I don't know, just too vague slightly if that makes sense. Yeah, of course. Um so Coming back to this scenario, would you consider either one or both to be examples of institutional racism? Uh, okay, so for example, the one in the U.S., that's, a, that's at a private school. So I wouldn't consider a private school an institution. I would consider it an individual entity, right? So for example, those parents can send their kids somewhere else. You don't mm-hmm. have to go to that to that yeah. school. Well, and they're because you're likely, not being forced to. Yeah, they're in an income class where they have options. Yes, yes, but but like for example, um, when I use the term uh, systemic racism, I'm implying about policy or a rule or a law. So we see in this private school we have a rule to have segregation, mm-hmm. right? So yes, that's an example. Uh, systemic racism. Now, is this an institutional racism? Oh, no, because it's a private school. You're not being forced to go to that school. If this was a public school, that's institutional racism because it's across the board from the top, from the top down. Yeah. Right. So you have the rule to say, okay, look, we're going to segregate. And for those, for those parents, you can't send your kid to another school because yeah. all the public schools are running like that. You can't afford to send your kid to a private school. So you're yeah. forced to be uh, through the institution to stay in the system. So the institution, the system, the systemic racism kind of like, like uh, follows each other. First institutional, institutional puts in the policy. Then you have the systemic, which is, creates the system that you're stuck in. If you're attending a public school, you can't afford the, afford the private school, you're stuck in the system. If you're at the private school, you can leave the private school and go to, and go to another, yeah, another school. So I would, just using the example they gave at the bottom, mm-hmm. or that I gave after the two definitions, where I said a police officer need not to be racist, mm-hmm. I can take the inverse of that and say it's true as well. An individual acting in a racist manner doesn't, mean the institution is conducting racism right so i would say to you 
that I don't consider this particular example of public school to be institutional because it was one individual. Now, had they done that across a school board, Mm -hmm. I would agree with you. Mm -hmm. I would say this is a person making decisions based on race, Mm -hmm. which is racist. Mm -hmm. But it's not because now, yes, at the same time, like they can't really opt out, but there's a, so in in some extent you're right but it was it wasn't even necessarily a school-wide policy as far as i understood it was for this one particular class or was it actually no you're right it was school-wide because it was done by the principal yeah my mistake yeah. so i mean it it gets a little bit grayer i guess for what i was trying to say because like systemic or institutionally i would think of like school board wide mm-hmm. when you go down to an individual actor i mean there is in Canada, at least, there's a little bit of ability to kind of pick your school, um, but it's so. I mean, I guess I'm kind of saying yes and no that it's institutional um, because it's one person, but because well, she's the principal, mm-hmm. she's at the top. Versus, mm-hmm. if it was one teacher doing this, mm-hmm. I guess is the better way. If it was just an individual teacher, I would say it was a racist actor versus right. a rule or a policy for the school wide. Right, right. It, you know what stuck out to me about the the Red House, the which is very key. So when you read the article, and I advise you guys to go read the article and exegete. And when I mean exegete, I mean read the article, watch the video in context, in context. And when you are um, looking for proof, make sure you're drawing proof from the text and what stuck out to me about the little red house article was that they weren't shy because i'm like yo this is this is 2018 and they were not shy about promoting segregation in their school no promoting segregation in their school in 2018 in new york city so to me i'm just like okay hold on hold on hold on hold on Something's something's not right here because usually this, you know, you're going to get a backlash. You'd be kind of shy. They're trying to hide themselves. They're going to try to backstep. They weren't backstepping. They were sending emails to their uh, to the parents like, okay, this is what we're trying to do. This is what we're trying. So I'm like, wait a minute. These guys really have a plan to segregate, not just segregate to say, oh, you know, we're going to keep black people down. But no, we're going to segregate to help these students that we've been doing it and we think it's helpful so i'm like okay i'm listening mm-hmm. and, I, and i'm really walking through and i and i see what they're doing but it really it you know it, they, they, i think of course it was they've gone too far but i just thought that it was good in that it wasn't like okay we're segregating oh they caught us now let's backtrack and just yeah, try yeah. to cover our tracks they weren't covering their tracks or nothing they weren't apologetic or nothing so they're like look man you know, if you don't like it, go to another school, which means that they really believed in what they were doing. And, and, it ca- and I think it causes the readers to really look in to see what they were really doing. Well, I think it begs the question then, I mean, I'm not saying I know the answer to this, but is making decisions based on race as a factor inherently immoral? I would say yes and um, counterproductive because this doesn't actually help. So in this case, if you were, 
no wiser. That, meaning, you didn't know that this is what they were doing. Mm. Let's say they didn't have the minority class and the white class, but they mm. just had, oh, the two black guys are in this class, the three Mexican guys in this class. And so they were grouping you mm. such that the whole like anti-single isolation stuff was being achieved. And the end result was that you performed better. Where's the harm? What makes it immoral? Mm. And I, again, I know the reason why this is problematic is because it creates a level of deja vu to history in the last hundred years, even that is detrimental, you know, that has had a, a really ne- bad context. Mm-hmm. But if we didn't have that, and the decisions were made based on race produced positive outcomes, like they're claiming, mm-hmm. let's assume their claims are true, that the kids do better when they're not in isolation from an ethnic, mm-hmm. uh, ethnicity perspective, mm-hmm. then what makes it immoral? And I'm asking the question, not knowing Political the correctness. Well, I'll say political correctness because because of the climate that we live in today, like you, you, can't, you can't segregate because... It's politically, it's politically incorrect. incorrect. I wouldn't even say it's immoral. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's immoral. I'm like, yo, it's politically incorrect to say, yo, let's segregate the black kids and the white kids. But lo and behold, here in Toronto, right down the street, we have an all-black school. Yeah. We are Afro, sorry, Afro, Afrocentric school. So you're like, okay, wait a minute, but we got one that's been in business and functioning and doing well. But it's deemed politically correct. Yeah, but that but that's something for our listeners to wrestle with. But I'll I'll leave the listener. I want to leave the listener with this, right? Like, think about it. Like, as an economic principle, though you may be well in, intentioned, you may be actually hurting those you're trying to help. Positive racial profiling and relocating Black people to make them feel less isolated is what's actually hurting Black folk and white folk, just as we saw in these two incidences. Anti-black racism is not the problem. Pro-black racism is the problem. Black people ain't special. That's racist. To say black people are special, they're not. To say white people are special, they're not. Right? To say they're special is racist. Like, guy, though well-intentioned, white guilt got people acting crazy out here. Straight up. Like, if you, yo, the Bible is for, for the for the white Christian. Know this: that the Bible says that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So don't let anybody condemn you because of your past or your present. Go and sin no more. So I'll just leave that. Darnell just dropped a bomb. But I'll just leave with the article that from Mises that I shared my definition of, or the, the other racial institution definition, title, right in line with what you just said. Racially motivated laws are a real thing, and they end up targeting everyone. So racial profiling hurts everyone. Follow us on Twitter. Like us on Facebook. Love us in real life. But you heard me? Does that make sense? Madden and Mitchell Media.